Welcome to a brand new episode of Millennial Myths. I'm Samantha Rank, a senior at Penn State University. This podcast was created for millennials by millennials and Generation Z in order to help debunk some of the most prevalent myths plaguing our nation's younger generations. Through a combination of personal stories and expert analysis, I'll be working to expose the truth about socialism, abolishing the Electoral College, and more. Our topic for today is raising the minimum wage. The House recently passed a bill to raise the minimum wage to $15. Senator Bernie Sanders, alongside many other leading liberals, such as New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, has become a very vocal advocate of the fight for 15. Here's what the senator had to say about today's topic. I think most people are aware that for the last 40 years, the middle class of our country has been in decline. And in Vermont and all over this country, we have people working two or three jobs. We have people working 50, 60, 70 hours a week just to put food on the table, just to make sure that their families can live with a modicum of dignity. And the reason for all of that is that wages in the United States of America are just too low. And the time is long overdue. Uh, for us to raise the minimum wage, which is now at the federal level, $7.25 an hour, which I think under any definition is a starvation wage. We have got to raise the minimum wage to a living wage. And what we are here today to say is that living wage is $15 an hour. Despite Senator Sanders' reasons, is a $15 minimum wage feasible? What would the impact be on the economy, the consumer? I asked people around Washington, D.C. if they believe we should have a $15 minimum wage, whether or not it would impact the economy and the consumer, and much more. Do you support a $15 minimum wage? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I do because a lot of people that have those jobs, they need the money for their families and all that, so I definitely agree with that. I do as well. I believe that $15 should be a livable wage. Of course, you know, people have to change state by state because, you know, cost of living is different, but I support something reasonable like that. Would a $15 minimum wage help or hurt the economy? I believe that there's going to be growing pains with it, of course, but at the end of the day, you put more money into the pockets of families, you put more money into the pocket of consumers, and everybody wins. Just give it like two years, maybe. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I think it would kind of help because it would just get more money flowing and more people would be able to afford to live. I think it would help the economy. I think, too. We have one in France. Honestly, it might help the economy, too, because that means that you give people more money to put in their pockets so they can support other businesses and the circulation money goes like that. So, yeah, I think it helps. What's the danger of imposing a $15 minimum wage? I mean, I can tell you what people say the danger is, but... Honestly, I think it's more of a concern. Like, it's people are freaked out about it, but they're just using it to stop the minimum wage from rising when the benefits would outweigh the risk. Because then if a business is slow growing, then they're not going to have enough money to keep as many people employed, so it's definitely... Possibly, but I still think it'd be worth a shot. People say that it would cause the costs of living to rise with the minimum wage, but I, I think, I, as I said, I think the benefits outweigh the risks of that. I feel like it starts with the taxes, to be honest with you. Of course, you know, you got 
fewer people at the top that want to make that amount of money. But at the end of the day, if you spread it or if you stop doing it for profitable purposes, everybody's going to win. Would a $15 minimum wage have an impact on the consumer? On the consumer? What you think? Yeah, I think so because then when the the um the prices of goods go up then. So, I think so, yeah. Uh, yes, I think so. I would say it would have an impact on the consumer and that they would have more money to consume with. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go far. When we come back, Rachel Bressler of the Heritage Foundation will be in studio to help me debunk some of the myths about raising the minimum wage. If you're tired of high taxes, fewer health care choices, and bigger and bigger government, it's time to partner with the most impactful conservative organization in America. We're the Heritage Foundation, and we're committed to solving the issues America faces. Together, we'll fight back against the rising tide of homegrown socialism, and we'll fight for conservative solutions that are making families more free and more prosperous. But we can't do it without you. Please join us at heritage.org. I am now joined by Rachel Gressler, a research fellow in economics, budget, and entitlements at the Heritage Foundation. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks for having me. As I mentioned earlier, the House recently passed a bill in favor of a $15 minimum wage. While it's unlikely to pass in the Senate, what would the impact be on the economy? Well, a federal minimum wage would end up hurting the economy in the long run, and some of the primary reasons of that is that it's going to reduce jobs. A lot of people would lose their jobs. You would see some that have higher incomes, but then those who don't have a job have no income at all. And also you have to think about what would a business do to respond to these higher wages they have to pay. This is more than a doubling of wages for particular business owners. They're going to have to raise their prices. They might be investing less in capital. They might cut back on the hours, cut back on the number of workers. Some of them are going to have to close their doors altogether. So in the end, what you end up with is a smaller economy and lower family incomes for everybody. What demographic would likely be impacted the most by a $15 minimum wage? Well, what a $15 minimum wage does is it imposes a survival of the fittest labor market. And so the people who are most impacted by it, most negatively impacted, are those who aren't able to produce $15 per hour. That's the equivalent of $38,000 in costs for an employer to pay that wage plus federally mandated benefits. So you end up pushing people out of the labor market that have the least experience and the least skills. Maybe they have a disability or they can't yet communicate in English. Those are the people that get shut out. And now that's what's been found when places like Seattle that have implemented a $15 per hour minimum wage, the employers have held on to those who have the most skills and experience while they've cut the hours and cut the jobs of people with fewer skills and experience. And that's one thing for Seattle to do because those workers have gone outside the city and they've found different jobs at lower wages in different areas. But if you implement this nationwide, there's nowhere left for those people to go. And so you end up isolating a whole sector of the economy and saying that they don't have the ability to get a job, period. As we heard from some of the men on the street interviews, many people thought that raising the minimum wage would put more money into people's pockets who could then contribute more to the economy. Would this actually happen and why or why not? It does happen, and there's certainly a big group of people that would benefit. Those who are earning between $15 and $7 an hour now would see a bump in their income, so they have more money to consume. 
Um, but you've taken the income entirely out of the pockets of a certain group of people who have lost their jobs and have no opportunity to find a job now. And on top of that, when businesses respond and over time have to adjust things, you end up having higher prices. And so even the people who have benefited from a higher wage are now paying more for the products that they buy. And this goes across the board, but it's actually the lower income earners who tend to spend a higher proportion of their income who would be most impacted by those higher prices. So yes, there's more money to be spent, but when you're paying more for it, some of those effects are taken back. You wrote an article for The Daily Signal titled, Here Are Six Ways a New Report Devastates the $15 Minimum Wage. Can you briefly discuss these six ways and why millennials specifically should be aware? Yes. So the biggest impact, as I said, is lost jobs. Um, a CBO report found that at the median, we can expect 1.3 million jobs to be lost from a $15 per hour federal minimum wage. And they even cited maybe it's going to be 3.7 million or more jobs. There's some uncertainty there. Um, a Heritage Foundation report a couple of years ago found that we could lose 7 million jobs. So in any event, there will probably be millions of people who have no job and probably don't have any job prospects going forward. And the second impact is this is the survival of the fittest type labor market. Those people who don't have the jobs are the ones that we're really trying to help. And so what do we do now for them? Um, those people don't have jobs or those that can't produce what the $15 is, $38,000 per year. And then if you think if you're a business and you have certain jobs that were previously done, say it was a $20,000 per year job, now you're going to have to reevaluate. And so this is going to lead to more automation. I saw this firsthand at my local McDonald's and Sam's Club in Maryland after the legislature overrode the um, governor's veto of a $15 minimum wage and went ahead and enacted it. I see now instead of ordering from somebody at the register, you have to order on a computer screen instead. And so you're going to expedite the pace of automation and some of those jobs won't be coming back, period. You're also going to increase prices, as I talked about before, you know, significantly for the things that lower income consumers buy the most of, like the groceries and the fast food and the household items. You also have an economy wide impact. And so overall, the CBO report found that because of all these changes that businesses will make, including less investment in capital that makes workers more productive, you end up having a smaller economy and total smaller family incomes. And then finally, this also impacts the government and their budget. We're going to have higher deficits because the government will be paying for more things. And you're also going to have higher interest payments because the higher prices will lead to inflation, which spikes interest rates. And so overall, you end up in a very worse situation than if we were to try to address people that have lower incomes. How can we help them to become more productive? Because it's really becoming more productive that makes them be able to produce more and earn a higher income. When the government comes in and tries to impose those wages artificially, they don't end up doing good to those people and to the economy. It's better to say, how could we help you to get the education and the experience that you need to become more productive? I couldn't agree more. And on that note, we are going to end today's show. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me. It's hard to believe this is the last episode of Millennial Myth, at least for now. Thanks to all those who have listened. And if you enjoyed this podcast miniseries, please leave a five-star rating or comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Samantha Rank. Millennial Myths is executive produced by Samantha Rank, script edited by Lauren Evans and Daniel Davis, sound design by Samantha Rank. 
For more information, visit heritage.org.